Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Impact Fashion Podcast. My name is Shida Bem. Honestly, I don't think I've ever listened to an intro episode of a podcast, so I'm not 100% sure what usually happens at this point. So I've written a bit of a script, and I'm going to just read it out. As I said, my name is Shida Bem. I started Impact Fashion a few years ago as I was obsessed with the issue of waste in fashion. What we do has changed over that time. Hopefully, I'll talk a little bit more about that in future episodes. But I'm still very much obsessed with the issue of waste in fashion. So as we are in a pandemic, I thought, why not do an audio series where I can talk about fashion waste and sustainability more broadly? So that's what this podcast is going to be about. It's going to be about sustainability in fashion with a specific focus on circular fashion and waste. Because that's the area I work in and I'm really keen on. Every week... I hope to interview experts in the fashion industry who are thinking differently about waste and doing innovative things to tackle the issue. I might also include some episodes that follow more of a story format. I'm not necessarily sure how that's going to happen, but we'll see. My vision for the podcast is to share a little bit about what's happening behind the scenes of the fashion industry, and I hope you enjoy it. My first interview is with Jennifer Ong from Style Theory. Style Theory is a fashion rental subscription and resale platform that operates in Singapore, Indonesia, and Hong Kong. Jennifer leads on the regional designer bag rental service, and I won't steal her mojo and give away too much. But during our discussion, um, we talked about running a rental business in a pandemic, the future of circular economy in fashion, and the rise of greenwashing. Jen very kindly gave part of her dinner time to record the interview. So you might hear the odd sizzling and pop movement in the recording, but I hope you enjoyed the episode. Here goes. This is episode one. Yeah, so maybe I'll start with just giving a bit of background as to what Style Theory is. So Style Theory is a fashion rental company that's based in Singapore, um, and we now have offices um, and operations in Indonesia and Hong Kong as well. So we basically do clothing and uh, designer bag rental, and we are a subscription-based platform. So uh, for the for a fixed price a month, you get access to an unlimited wardrobe of unlimited clothes, um, or you can sign up for a bag subscription, which is uh, for a fixed price, you get two designer bags a month. Um, so we're a little bit different from other fashion rental companies in that we are a subscription-based model, uh, rather than a one-off model, because I know that there's a lot of companies out there that do like one-time rental for events. Um, and so we really believe in the subscription-based model because we want it to be integrated into your life. Like we don't want you to be like, oh, I'm only renting this because uh, it's cheaper for us to do so or uh, because I need it for like one-off. We want it to be fully integrated into your lifestyle. We want to really encourage the sustainability lifestyle. Cool. And so what do you, what, what is your role specifically within the, within the organization? <laughs> so my role specifically is I um, run our Hong Kong operations. So we recently extended to Hong Kong um, and I'm also helping to run the uh, Singapore bags business. So uh, specifically with the bag rental. Um, so anything relating to bag rental subscription in Singapore and in Hong Kong, I help to oversee. So it's a super exciting role because I get to work with a lot of different functional teams. So I'll work closely with our growth team, our retention team, our operations team, logistics, etc. So it's really nice to be able to get like a overview um, of the business from from where I am. And how did you come to be involved with the, with the company? 
Yeah, so my background is super, um, I guess, traditional and non-traditional. <laughs> um, I actually used to work in finance for seven years. So I was actually uh, in the asset management space for seven years. So um, quite a long time. And then I actually switched to work for style theory. So it was quite an interesting jump to go from uh, fi very finance oriented role to fashion. Um, for me, I made that jump because I was always just super interested in fashion, right? But I just never thought I could do it as a career. I always did it as like, like something that, you know, I would just like read about for fun or just like keep up to date. And, you know, there were like little side projects that I would be doing relating to fashion, but I never thought, oh, I never thought that I would like fully pursue this as a career. Um, but I think I hit a point in my own career where I was like, okay, do I see myself becoming my boss in the finance world? Do I see myself spending the next 10, 20 years in the finance world? Um, and I realized while it was interesting to be in that world, it wasn't something that really drove me. Mm. Um, I never felt like super passionate about it the same way that I feel so passionate about fashion and, and in particular sustainable fashion. Um, and so, you know, I thought it was time and it was the right time for me to go try something new, see if fashion could be something I could build a career in. Um, and yeah, then, and then I think the right opportunity also came up. I think I found Style Theory. Um, I thought it was a super interesting um, company. There's not a ton of these, I guess, more disruptive type of companies in, in Asia. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because like that's completely a relatable, I guess, story in that I, similarly to you, I pretty much didn't want to think about a, an actual career in fashion for a long time because I just didn't see it as something that was possible. Um, so I went and I became an engineer and I did this and that and like all that stuff. And then eventually just was like, you know what? Yeah, you want to do this. So just kind of focus on doing that. Um, and of course the landscape has kind of changed um, which kind of gives me a perfect segue into my next, next question around the fact that you, so you joined in um, 2019. Um, how has the landscape changed in terms of circular fashion in general? Um, and how's, I guess, how's the business kind of growing within that space as well? I think actually it's very exciting, right? I think sustainable fashion is only just becoming in vogue, like I guess in the last like five or six years. Mm. And um, it really started, I guess, in the US and in the Western side of the world. Um, and we've really started to see it trickle into Asia. So Asia usually is like a little bit behind in terms of these some of these trends. Um, so really like in the last two to three, yeah, like uh, like within five years, I've definitely seen like just so many sustainable fashion brands, whether it be just uh, companies that sell products that uh, they claim are sustainable or made in sustainable ways. I don't know. I think greenwashing is a whole other concept that I'm like, mm, I don't know if it's like PR or if they're really so sustainable. Um, and, you know, we've also seen a lot more like rental-based companies start to pop up, where, whether it's one-time rental or subscription-based rental platforms like us. Um, I definitely think that there's a lot more of these coming up. But I think COVID was a really tough time for us in the rental market because um, uh, I, I guess... A lot of people use us to go to work. Like they mm. subscribe to our service to use um, for every day, like, like figuring out what to wear for the office. So once people started working from home, there was no longer a need to dress up. And so then there was no longer a need for our products. So actually during COVID was really, really tough for our business. Mm. Um, and also hygiene was another big concern, right? 
Um, that was going to be a question. <laughs> yeah, because people people feel like super nervous to like rent clothes and they're like, oh, maybe someone else touched it. How do I know that style theory has like properly sanitized all of this? So I think both of those combined um, meant like a very big hit to the business. Mm. Um, but we actually saw during COVID that e-commerce sales were like going through the roof, right? Because everyone was at home. Um, didn't have much to do. So they would just be shopping online. Um, yep. And so we basically saw that as a really exciting opportunity for us to jump into the resale market or the the the, the, the um, e-commerce space. Yep. Um, and so our angle with this was to go into pre-loved goods. So again, we wanted to promote sustainability uh, within fashion. So we didn't really want to create brand new products to sell to the market. Um, and so we thought, you know, for people who didn't want to rent and during this period of time people didn't really want to rent yeah. uh, we thought why don't we create another avenue for them to access sustainability from just buying pre-loved goods and buying secondhand goods mm. um, so that's what we launched during the uh, covid i guess covid period in 2020 um, and so yeah that's another thing that we're super excited about cool cool yeah that's always a, yeah that's always a tricky one because because when I was doing some research for a company that was kind of looking at rental, the main thing that our focus group was telling us was just like, hey, how do we know if something is clean? And then COVID amplified that because people were just like, yeah, I don't want anything that I can't verify kind of coming into my home. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting that the same things are kind of, I guess, true for even different markets. Um, compared to the, so you talked about rent the runway and the fact that, you know, the US is kind of a few steps ahead of most markets. Um, what's kind of the difference between the US demographic and the maybe the Asian one um, in that is, have you maybe studied like that? Have you done any comparison of, okay, what maybe what would work in America might not necessarily work here. And how have you kind of pivoted in that way, if that makes any sense? So I think the challenge with renting clothes is, or even secondhand clothes is the, um, the fact that there's almost like a negative, like a like a stigma mm. that you cannot afford it. I think especially for designer bags, people are like, why would I, why would I want to rent a designer bag? Mm. Because for them, it's almost like you own a designer bag because you use it as a way to almost like show off your wealth or to to flaunt 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 your wealth. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a status um, symbol. Yeah, exactly. So then for you to admit that you rented this almost feels a bit like you are a fraud. Mm. So we've what is interesting is that we found it's very challenging to get people to refer a friend for our designer bag platform compared to like the apparel platform. Cause apparel you're like, oh, I, I'm doing this for sustainability reasons. Like, look at me, like I'm so great. Yeah. You know, it's like much more positive, right? The angle versus for bags, there's definitely like a much stronger stigma. Like, oh, like if you can't afford a Chanel bag, why are you renting it? Like just use like a non-branded leather bag instead. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been the big challenge. And and even more so in Asia, I would say like this whole stigma around um, whether it be owning secondhand goods or renting it. I think um, in Asia, there's definitely a lot more education that needs to be done around that because people here are just much more accustomed to buying and they do not understand why you would not choose to buy. I think also because in general, you're able to get very affordable clothing in Asia com like uh, compared to the, the US um, or in, in Western countries. So, you know, it's like, why are we doing this? Um, so I think there's a lot more education that needs to be done uh, here. And I think sustainability is also not as important um, a priority 
for people here. I think money is still the number one um, thing people think of when they purchase an item. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not just like relating to fashion, but just in general, uh, when you think about buying something, are you are are you willing to pay extra to be sustainable? Um, People are less willing to do that in mm. in Asia uh, compared to the U.S. I mean, this this is like a very broad generalization that I'm <laughs> doing here, um, but but in general, um, there's definitely a lot more focus on the dollar amount rather than like the mission, for example. But I think it's definitely changing. Um, you know, with the millennial generation. Um, I mean, I myself, a lot of times will support a company after I read their about page, right? Like you want to hear their story, you want to know what they're up to, um, and you really buy into that story, right? Whereas I think the previous generation, like my parents' generation, they wouldn't care who the founders were or like what their story is. It's like, oh, this item looks nice. Oh, this item is cheap. Oh, this item is good quality. Okay, done. We're going to buy it. So I think it's definitely a shift in um, purchasing behavior and what people find is important now. Mm. So I think it's great that like, you know, people are much more mission driven nowadays and we're slowly getting there. So I guess, okay, so you mentioned brands. Um, Are there any particular types of brands that perform better in the rental space that you're finding? So like, I don't know if you're thinking about a Chanel, maybe a Chanel is a little bit more upmarket than you would think of, I don't know, not to diss any brands. But some, someone kind of maybe a little bit um, further away from that um, kind of heritage. Yeah, I think for us, what we've noticed on the apparel side is um, there's definitely a style that works really well in Singapore. Um, so a more feminine, frills, lacy, uh, girly style definitely is the type that rents super well in Singapore. Um I, I, don't, I don't know much about like the other markets or how they react to it, but I think that's definitely been the one that works super well. In, yeah. So in it's Singapore. less about brand and more about style. I think for apparel, definitely is less about brands and more about styles, which I think is very fascinating. Um, but definitely on the bag side, it's like definitely like your Chanel's are always, or Dior or LV. Those are the ones that are super popular and trendy. Um, in Singapore, I was surprised to find that uh, YSL is also super popular here. Um, so I think that's l- maybe less so in other markets. So that was something that I thought was interesting about Singapore. Mm. So people, people kind of are more interested in general in kind of those heritage brands, those kind of well-known names, as opposed to having maybe potentially seen rental as an opportunity to try something that is a little bit, a little bit maybe outside of what they know. Um, yeah, so I think, exactly, sorry to cut you off, but <laughs> I just got so excited there. Um, yeah, no, I think you hit on a really good point. Like for apparel, it was like people would be very adventurous to try different styles and like things that maybe they wouldn't wear, like something more colorful or something more bold. Um, whereas for bags, I've we've noticed that it's really the safe styles that do really well. It's like mm. the black Chanel's like the black, the neutral colors that do really well. So people aren't super adventurous. They're not renting your like um, yellow pyramid shaped, tiny little like party bag. Um, they're really renting like the classics, which is very interesting. Yeah, I guess you can, you can potentially link that back to that idea of status. And if people aren't necessarily referring their friends, then they're probably just going around being like, yeah, this is my new bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think that's what people are using us for. Like they're not really using us on the bag side. They're not really using us for um, ad- ad- 
experimentation reasons mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and, and i guess kind of on that point of like what are some some of the uses of, of the service what are you finding like in terms of okay so in terms of engaging people kind of talking to them about sustainability and circularity how much are you having that conversation with customers and are they even engaged with with that conversation kind of beyond oh yeah i'm participating in this and that's good enough or are they very conscious that oh this is a good and sustainable um choice potentially so i i think it was fascinating because during covid uh, like we had a lot of customers leave us right so we obviously spent a ton of time like talking to our customers to really understand why they were leaving what we can do etc and what i found super interesting is that there were a there was a very solid group of customers who stayed with us but didn't actually utilize the boxes mm. and so we then went to go talk to them to see what that was about you know like you're not utilizing the service why are you staying with us and they said it was because they really believe in the sustainability mission and even though they didn't have a need right now for us to use this they wanted to continue to support us because they wanted to make sure that we would still survive yeah. <laughs> and that you know we could still be there to like provide and have this option, right? Because if we disappeared, then there wouldn't actually really be an, another um, company that who would be able to help service that need. So I think very interesting that they continue to support us for sustainability reasons and for um, to support local. So mm. I think very interesting that um, it was like the mission piece that really drove people to stay with us. Mm. That's that, yeah, that's quite interesting because that's a big, that's a pretty big commitment um, to can, kind of continue paying a subscription, even though you're not necessarily using it but i guess people people do that with netflix all the time yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so where so where do you kind of see um circular fashion or sustainability kind of going in the future (sighs) i think there's so much more to do right because fashion is still the most one like the second most pollutive industry in the world and i think um there's so much to do not just in like the rental concept, but even in the production of the clothes. So rental, I guess, is just prolonging the life of the item. It's almost like we should really start all the way from the very beginning with like the production. Should we, one, should we be producing so many items anyway? I think it really starts from there. Like how much should we be producing? And then once you do do decide to produce, then what are sustainable ways for you to actually go through that production process and ethical ways as well? Um, I think there's a lot of yeah, um, uh, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot to talk about with like regards because I think there's a lot of like almost like confusion sometimes. They're like, oh, this is produced by like ethical, like in ethical ways. And I think that that's sometimes very different from like in sustainable ways. Like ethical ways is like you're paying like a fair wage, like the workers who are in the factory are living not under like terrible circumstances yeah. um, versus like sustainability, which is much more like, okay, how much water are you using? What sort of materials are you using? Are these materials going to be um, recyclable in, in the future or not? Um, so I think, yeah, there's a lot to be done, I think, in the manufacturing process, uh, which is the not so sexy side of this sustainable fashion concept I think a lot of people are much more focused on like the downstream part which is like once the product is produced or how do you prolong the life of it but I think actually so much work needs to be done at the manufacturing level uh, at the factories and I I know more and more people are uh, involved in that space which is great Um, but I think yeah definitely I think there a lot of work to be done and I think even downstream 
Um, people are, you know, using, I think going back to the greenwashing thing, but people are using this idea of sustainability to sell more clothes and clearly it's working, right? Even, mm. not even just clothes, like anything with like a green concept around it, a sustainability concept around it has been selling pretty well. And you can sell it at a premium because people are like, oh yeah, like I want to do good. I want to support this. And so they, they're happy to pay for that. And because people... Okay, I, I guess like because I majored in economics, so I kind of think about this in a very <laughs> economical way. Yep. But because there is so much money to be made by having this sustainability label on your brand, everyone is trying to do it. Um, that I really think that right now it's just a PR thing for a lot of these companies. Um, are companies really that sustainable? Okay, I think one of the things is like, for example, one of the really popular trends is re using recycled water bottle to create products, right? So a lot of brands are using recycled water bottles to turn that into yarn. And then with yarn, then you can make bags, shoes, clothes, yeah. swimwear, et cetera. But so, so I mean, like, it sounds really cool, right? Like, oh, I'm saving all these turtles. Like I'm like, you know, grabbing all these water bottles from the ocean, like amazing, like great PR story, like great marketing story. But the thing is then people don't realize that once you wash these items, then there are particles that actually like come out of the- Yeah, the, the microplastics, yeah. Exactly. Um, and so that then goes back into the water. And then that one is actually so much harder for you to fish out of the ocean because it's just micro particles and you cannot see them. And if you can't see them, you can't fish them out. And so then they just end up in people's bloodstream at the end of the day, because then like the, I don't know, like it ends up in like the fish, the fish then ends up in your body. And then you just end up having all this plastics like in you. So I think part of me is like oh like i wish the sustainability thing didn't work so well so that companies would just like chill out on producing less um because at the end of the day for me i think what is sustainability in fashion it is to consume less and then if you consume less then companies will realize they don't need to sell as much or mm. they should sell better quality items um, and then they'll produce less um, so for me that's actually the main thing that i'm trying to do to be more sustainable in my fashion consumption is just to consume less at the end, the end of the day, consuming less, I think, will help alleviate a lot of this all the way up from the manufacturing level all the way down to selling it to me. Um, but in the meantime, I think rental is also a great way to just keep things in the system for, for longer. Um, I think if I were to be critical about the rental concept, um, I think rental is also a bit challenging because um, there's also... <laughs> a lot of transport costs in the back and forth. Yeah, so like logistics. logistics and the greenhouse gas that is produced there. Um, the number of times that an item needs to be washed is going to be a lot more than if you actually have that piece of item sitting in your closet. Cause sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't actually sweat that much. Or, you know, you, you sometimes like would not wash that piece of item, like a pair of jeans, you wouldn't wash like every single day after you wear it. But for us, we definitely need to clean every single item after every single wear. And actually sometimes our customers don't even wear that item. Like they get it and then they try it on. They're like, oh, actually the fit is not great. I'm not gonna wear it, but we still have to wash it. Mm. So, um, you know, that also then contributes to um, greenhouse gas. <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, it's to be fair, sustainable fashion is complicated, which is kind of what makes it a little bit quite exciting. And, yeah. and then there's so many different like pieces of the puzzle that have to sit together um, to kind of make it work, which is, always fascinating but you kind of touched on a point around I guess reducing consumption so from your perspective as like 
within a, a rental company, how do you guys kind of approach trends? Because trends are still kind of, they're still out there. They're still being done. Like everyone's kind of following. Maybe maybe not now with COVID because no one's really buying like things to be showing off or whatever. Um, but how are you kind of responding to that that move or that like kind of approach to fashion where it's very trend focused and people of course with rental if they're going to be experimenting with our apparel then they kind of want to see what's new what's fresh um, as opposed to maybe timeless pieces so i think thankfully singapore is not a super fashion forward country so we don't have to be as reactive to trends as we would maybe like in the u.s yeah. and actually so, so I think like from our, our business, like that is, is good, is, is good. Cause we don't have to react so fast to things. Mm. Um, but I think especially like with trends, I think rental really makes sense, right. Especially around trends because yes, like we have to then go and buy a bunch of new inventory, but at least we are buying it. And then maybe like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people are using it as opposed to you buying that one item of really trendy thing. And you're probably using it once. Um, so it definitely does prolong the life cycle. And I think it really makes sense to rent the trend. Like really, like I think own the classic pieces, definitely have your favorite pair of jeans and your favorite white white shirt uh, that really fits you and drapes the perfect way. But, you know, things that are trendy, I think that is really the point. Like that is really the time to be renting um, instead of buying. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so what are some of the challenges? And then we'll talk about opportunities after that you kind of as seen coming ahead beyond of course the pandemic that is ongoing um i think in asia the biggest thing is educating people i think that like as we talked about a little bit earlier the stigma around renting around owning pre-loved goods um i think so much work still to be done there i think this idea resonates really well with people who are in the millennial like the millennial gen z's like i think it's like oh yeah obviously we would do that but um, if we were to think about a broader market, um, actually even some of my friends, right? Like some of my friends are like, oh, I would never rent, you know, it's just like clothing is just something that is so personal to me. Um, I might consider buying secondhand, but you know, I would never rent. Um, so I think there's a lot to be done still in convincing people, um, the value of, of renting and getting through years and years of training where you're, you're taught to just buy things instead of renting things. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest challenge we've got ahead of us. And I guess, so maybe to, to pick your brain a little bit about that point around educating people, if you had to convince someone, so let's say your friends who have basically been like, yeah, I'm not going to rent ever. Um, what would you, what would be the go-to way that you would try and convince them that actually you should try it out? Just give it a go. <laughs> I think that's a tough one, right? Because I think people can... I, I try not to be too pushy in my ways. Usually when my friends say that, I, I understand because like, I, I, I get it. And then for them, they're like, you know, I just don't buy clothes that much. And if I don't buy clothes that much, then I don't even see the need to rent because I'm already consuming less. So I think there's multiple ways of approaching sustainable fashion. I think rental is one way that you could do it, but I think that there's still many other ways that you can be sustainable and um, be more conscious in the way that you are consuming and, and buying things. So. I, yeah, I, I, I actually wouldn't try to convince them so much because I think everybody has their own way to approaching this problem. And our ultimate goal is just to get people to, I guess, consume, consume less or throw away less. Um, yeah. So, you know, if there's other ways that they're doing it, then I mean, yeah, all, all the better. 
like if they're like oh like I'm a huge like thrift shop shopper or like I love like buying vintage like yeah I mean that's also contributing to you know less waste and prolonging the life of an item so I mean I think that then that goes back to why we decided to move into the resale space during COVID right because we recognize that there are numerous ways that people that we could be approaching this problem and so why not try different angles that could serve better for different audiences and what so far what have you guys kind of learned from that switch or the diversification of the business where it's kind of taken on board this other potentially I guess diff, diff like actually not potentially this different business model what's kind of what's that been like I think our focus the bread and butter is still for sure the subscription-based rental model um but I think now it's like super interesting to be able to see the difference between running a subscription-based business and running a like selling, not even like a resale, right? Like an e-commerce business. Cause um, for subscription-based businesses, you do somewhat know and can predict how much cash is gonna come through the door every month versus when you are um, selling products, it's almost like, oh, you're running a huge sale. Okay, then you you can expect people to come in. Otherwise um, it's just a bit more challenging like the you, you have to do a lot more work I think to get the money to come through and it's a lot less predictable and steady so I think we've really noticed the difference between those two yeah we, we, I mean it's, it's, it's so funny because a lot of the times that's kind of usually my go-to for maybe recommending oh subscription actually because cash flow it's easy to predict like you know you you after a while of like piloting it, you know how what the drop-off rate is going to be. So you can actually pretty much predict how much money you're going to have then to be able to get your inventory in. It's just, it just makes it a little bit easier than if it's like, oh, we're going to buy inventory and then hope people will like it, um, which is always weird. <laughs> and always, like for yeah. me, I'm just like, oh, that doesn't make sense business-wise. Like I'm a huge believer of subscription-based businesses, not just in fashion, but like literally in any industry there could be. Um, so I was reading this book called Subscribed, which I highly recommend if you haven't read it. And if you're interested in subscription-based business models, uh, basically he analyzed how that's like the future of business models is subscription-based. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so let's just talk a little bit about that resale aspect. So I guess, are you, without giving too much away, where where are you, are you kind of sourcing your resale con- like um, inventory from your customers or are you going to market um right now we're using mostly consignment so we're going to um our, our own customers um and also our existing inventory so if there's items that we feel like oh should be retired um or items that we feel like should be refreshed and oh yeah so basically retired yeah. um then we would basically sell those off so yeah we haven't had to go buy anything to sell um and yeah, I think, again, that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to sell new products. We're really trying to, um, yeah, prolong the, prolong the life of, of a lot of these items. So, yeah, it's been great that we've got a good um, network, I guess, of women who already buy into this idea. And then they're like, yeah, sure. Like here, um, actually, I am open to selling my items on your platform as well. Cool. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of a... a, a yeah because because there was a big study done here um where the i think i can't remember the specific numbers but it was something like a third of your wardrobe is underutilized and just kind of sat there doing nothing and if you can consign it then it just makes sense because then you're potentially making some money because someone's kind of 
paying you to have access to that and then yeah you're just basically improving or cleaning out your wardrobe without necessarily having to chuck everything away pretty much okay yeah and i think this whole resale um or like you know you just selling off some of the items that you've used is huge right like you've seen all these companies like the real real um poshmark I think Farfetch even has one. Yeah, Farfetch. Like, there's just so many. And, like, these companies are doing so well. Like, their stock price is, like, insane, you know? So I, I do think that, like, people, like, this is really, like, yeah, people really believe in these companies mm-hmm. <laughs> and this concept. So um, definitely an exciting time to be part of all of this. I think if we started this maybe 10 years ago, it would be a lot more challenging than it is today. I think now we're like riding the, the wave. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on that note, what are some of the opportunities that you see kind of coming ahead? I think for us, like definitely resale, like I mentioned before, I think that's the big thing we want to focus on and and push more on. Um, For us, the other thing is geographical expansion. So um, that's why we recently expanded into Hong Kong. Um, Just right now we're just a a launch designer bag rental in Hong Kong. So we're also considering should we be launching apparel rental into Hong Kong. Um, And there's so many markets in Asia that we could look into tapping into that doesn't really have like a very strong ecosystem just yet. And um, from our experiences building it up from in Singapore and all the learnings we've gotten here, I think a lot of it we could apply to expanding to new markets. So I think those are the two main things that we're trying to move into is resale and geographical expansion. Cool. And then I've got two final questions and I'll, and I'll yeah. let you go and I'll get out your hair. Um, <laughs> so what, and let you have dinner actually. <laughs> Um, so what have, what have been, what have been some of the big lessons for you kind of, um, embarking on this journey to kind of make sustainable fashion a reality within Southeast Asia? What has been the challenge? No, the biggest lesson. The biggest lesson. Hmm. It's a good question. I feel like there's so, so many. <laughs> Running a business is never easy. <laughs> um, the biggest lesson running this, I think how receptive people have been and also how not receptive people have been. Surprised that how receptive people have been in Singapore to rent clothes. Um, and when they do believe in the idea, they really believe in it. I think there's no really people who are like half-heartedly in it. I mean, there are, but then those people leave us very fast. And, you know, it's just amazing to see such strong believers in this um, and, and such loyal customers who have been with us since the very beginning. So I think that's been very interesting. Um, but I think the other big lesson is just also how difficult it is to convince someone. I think that's what I was trying to talk about earlier is sometimes it's not convincing them of this way um and maybe it's just we need to launch new verticals like resale to be able to convince them to go on board i think the biggest lesson personally for me though um honestly there's been so many lessons because i came from like the finance world so this is all so new to me um but the the biggest lesson is just um how exciting i guess it is to I mean, this has nothing to do with sustainable fashion, but more just like personally for me, how exciting it is to be able to finally do something that you truly, truly at the core of your soul believe in. 
Um, I never knew that this really existed. I mean, like, yes, you hear about people pursuing their passion and whatnot, but um, to be able to do this as a job, I think has been super exciting. Um, and I guess I never knew <laughs> that, that you, that, you know, like you could really um, enjoy your job so much. <laughs> I love that. I didn't really know you could enjoy your job so much. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, like people are always like a job is a job and you know, you don't really hear about people who like love their job. You know, people always are like, Oh, like this and that, or like they have this complaint, that complaint. Um, yeah. So I think that was the biggest lesson for me is I didn't realize that, you know, yeah, that this could exist. <laughs> oh. And then on that note, in terms of to end on a positive, because like, to continue on a positive, really, um, what are some of the tips that you would give people either wanting to kind of get into this space or people who just want to be more sustainable with the, with the way they consume fashion or basically anything? Yeah, um... I think if you were trying to get into this space, there's so many exciting new companies that are in this space right now. So definitely the right time to be riding this wave. Um, or even if you're thinking about starting your own company, I think now is really honestly the right time to be entering into this space. I think um, sustainability is such a big theme. It's one of the core themes, I think, um, like core investable themes for investors as well. I think AI is another big trend. Um, blockchain, AI, and I think sustainability is another big one, especially in the e-commerce space, no matter what type of commerce you're doing. Um, so I think now really is like a great time to, to just get in. And um, it's been around for a bit, but it's also very nascent. So there's a lot of room to, to improve and grow. So I think very exciting time to be in this space. Perfect. Um, so I think, yeah, we can end there. And I guess I'll do cool. the podcasting of being like, where can the people find you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, you can find me on Instagram at Ong Jennifer, so O-N-G Jennifer underscore, because Ong Jennifer was gone, so I had to add an underscore <laughs> to my handle. Um, and I also actually have a podcast that talks about um, people pursuing an alternative career path. So you can also find me uh, wherever you get your podcasts under Control Alt Career. Um, I love that name. It's control C T R L and then Alt A L T, like Control Alt Delete, <laughs> but <Yeah>. Control Alt Career, <laughs> um, where I actually spend time interviewing people who have left a corporate job and pursued something very different. So, um, yeah, those are two good places to to find me at. Perfect. Thank you and so much for taking the time. Yeah, I mean, I love talking about anything related to sustainable fashion. So super happy to have this conversation with you and get connected. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if there's anything else that I can help out with or, you know, anybody who's listening to this who wants to have a chat, please send me a message. I love chatting and meeting more people in this space. So no, yeah. don't don't tell me I can get in touch because I will. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I take advantage if someone, but I'm like, yeah, I'll be there.